The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Totally Useless Information Podcast on the Nick and Roy channel. Subscribe and share. What was the loudest sound made in 1883? Did Curious George have a tail or not? Is Curious George an ape or a monkey? Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. And we scour the internet for information you really don't need. Or do you? So join us this week on the Totally Useless Information Podcast as we talk about expressions and science and history and some animals. Join totally us. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. By listening once a week, you get smarter than you think. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Well, welcome to the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Where do expressions come from? I don't know where, I don't know where. Where do expressions come from? We want to know right now. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Chapter 11. When you hear Chapter 11, you think bankruptcy. And you're thinking, why? Why is Chapter 11... Why does that Why? mean bankruptcy? Why, pray tell? It's Nick, but thank you, pray tell. Uh, the United States Bankruptcy Code, which permits reorganization under the bankruptcy laws of the United States, Chapter 11 is available to every business, whether organized or corporation or partnership or sole partnership, and to individuals. Although it's most prominently used by corporate entities, Chapter 11 means bankruptcy because of the code in the United States. Now, if I write a book, I will intentionally skip Chapter 11. Hmm. That's funny. I heard some gossip today. You did? Gossip. Did Where did the term gossip come from? Well, gossip is one word, but it's derived from four words. And those four words are go, sip, some ale gossip so people would sit at the bar drink a beer and listen to other people's conversation go either back to work or go home sit at the table and say you know what i heard and the wife would say oh go on with your gossip gossip and it ends up turning to the word gossip that's not what i heard <laughs> <laughs> lipstick on a pig to put Ooh. lipstick on a pig is, is an expression used to convey the message that making something superficial or cosmetic changes is a futile attempt to disguise the undesirable nature of a product. You put lipstick on a pig, it's still a pig. Yes. Okay. This is a cool one. Freeze the balls off a brass monkey was the original mm -hmm. term. Then it was right. it was termed freeze your balls off. Okay, where does that expression come from? Get this one. I love this one. There was a plate with circles in the plate that the 
cannonballs were placed in on ships. Remember, the ship is going like this in the ocean, so a round ball is rolling all over the place. You got to stop them from rolling. So they created this plate, which they called the monkey. They'd say, bring over the monkey and load the monkey up with cannonballs. And so they'd place the balls into the circles so that they wouldn't be able to roll around. And then they would then begin to stack in a pyramid the balls on top of each other. And of course, the balls would hold the rest of the balls in. Well, they found out that in the iron thing called the monkey, the monkey was made out of iron. And when they put the iron cannonballs in it, they would rust. And the rust would hold the cannonballs in there and they couldn't get them out. So they began making it out of brass, which would not rust to the iron cannonballs. Thus, they'd say, you're not going to freeze the balls off a brass monkey. Well, all I know is that if I had rusty balls, it would hurt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I forget. Do you golf? Are you a golfer? Oh, my God. I'm 20,000 under par. Really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what golf. I played golf like four times. I'm I'm an avid golfer, and uh, I taught Tiger Woods how to get the ball into the elephant's mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, a mul- uh, now you've heard the expression a mulligan. A mulligan in golf means do over, do over shot, right? Yes. Here's a mulligan. I the get expression. Five. What is a mulligan? What's that? I get five per game. <laughs> five per game. You know, <laughs> just do the whole game over. Never mind one shot. Just do the whole game over. Right. So the USGA Museum, United States Golf Association Museum, mentions a fellow by the name of David Mulligan. No. Up to he loved to play golf at the Saint Lambert Country Club in Montreal, Canada, up here in, in Canada, uh, during the 1920s. Mulligan let it rip one day uh, the, the, when he shot the ball. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, he wasn't happy with the results, so he reteed and hit it again. So according to the legend, he called it a correct a correction shot. So he put his golfing buddies behind him and said, "Hang on, I'm going to do this again." And although there was a better name that the his buddies wanted to call it, they just dubbed it a mulligan. It's a do-over shot. Wow. Holy mackerel. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Where does that expression come from? It's very, very simple. Yeah. People did not want to use t- biblical terms or the Lord's name in vain. So some people would say, Holy sh**. Excuse my language. Or Holy Mary, like you'd say, Holy Jesus. They didn't right. want to say that. So they said, Holy Mackerel. And it stuck. Holy Mackerel, he swore. Where expressions come from? I don't know where, I don't know where. Where expressions come from? We want to know right now. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, thank you for joining us week after week. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to send us an email, it's simple. It's tuipodcast at outlook.com. Yes, please do. I'm in Toronto, Canada. Roy is in Florida. And both locations, ironically enough, have these roaming around the streets. Animal, 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 crazy animal. Love that kitty cat. I'm doing all funny stuff with my eyes. I'm like, hmm? Hmm? <laughs> so what do you got in terms of animals on your list? The average dog 
has better eyesight than humans. What? The average dog mm -hmm. can also hear other than you, Nick. The average right. dog has better eyesight than humans, although the human eye can see color, and dogs cannot see color very well. So they have sharper eyesight, but have inability to see color. By the way, I am colorblind. Yeah, that's a beautiful orange shirt you're wearing. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you, you see, because you're colorblind, you see everything like an I Love Lucy episode? Uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> see everything in black and white like they used to have on TV? Oh, yeah. Actually, um, I can see some colors, but I'm colorblind where like browns and blues and blacks and blues kind of the darker colors meld together. Yeah. Is Curious George a monkey or an ape? Here's my teaser. Curious George. Remember the Curious George stories? Uh, you know, the Curious George went to the zoo. Curious George with the, with the man with the yellow hat. Mm -hmm. uh, trench coat. Trench coat. Tren yeah, the trench coat. Yes. Uh, they called Curious George the Little Monkey, mm. uh, and they had TV shows and, of course, books and movies. So living new world monkeys all have tails. Apes, however, gorillas, chimps, and orangutans lack tails, as do humans. We don't have tails. We used to have tails a long time ago, but this is an important distinction because Curious George has no tail, suggesting that he is an ape. Mm. So. Not a little monkey. He's actually a little ape because he does not have a tail. Wow. I'm lactail intolerant. Cows. Cows have a large, very, very large stomach for the size of their body. It is divided yes. into four quadrants that goes through different stages of digestion. So the first one, second one, third one, fourth one, different than our stomach and most, most animal stomachs. So a single cow can give off over four... 100 liter bottles of methane gas in one day. <laughs> Did you hear me? <laughs> 400 <laughs> liter bottles of methane gas. So all you tree-hugging hippies, I don't care. I love a burger. <laughs> uh, ironically enough, when you drink milk, it gives you gas. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking about uh, being colorblind. Um, you're not a bull, are you? Uh, no, not the last time I checked. <laughs> okay. Uh, do bulls see red? Now we've seen the you know the images where there's a matador in, in the ring there, and he's he's floating around this red cape. So mm -hmm. bullfighting, you know, the angry bull charging at the matador's red cape. Why does the beast charge at the sight of red? Well, actually, it's not. He's not actually charging at the red cape. Bulls, along with other cattle, are colorblind to red. Thus, mm -hmm. the bull is likely irritated not by the cape's color, but by the cape's movement as the matador whips it around. Ole. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I knew a few cows that said they were well red. Okay. A dog's shoulder blades. Check this one out now. A dog's shoulder blades are unattached to the rest of its skeleton. They're floating shoulder blades. This allows them the flexibility to jump higher, move very quickly, and so on. But can you imagine that? Now, I, I want to tell everybody out there, uh, we as humans, we have one bone that floats in our body. And it is called the hyoid bone. But their shoulder blades do that, which is really remarkable, dogs. Hippopotamuses have skin 
that sweats pink. Excuse me. Can I can I interrupt you for one second? Yes. Would it be hippopotami? Um, I don't know. Are you? <laughs> Are you a hippopotami? I don't know. Are you? Uh, hippos secrete a reddish, oily fluid, mm-hmm. sometimes called blood sweat. From their anus? No. Oh, okay. I, Sorry. Blood Sorry. sweat and then it wasn't from true. special glands in their skin. I guess, ah. I guess, hold on. I guess if they cry, it's blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they bleed sweat from special glands in their skin. It's not actually blood, actually. Hippos most try to avoid direct sunlight, by the way, by lying in water during the day and feeding at night. Their skin is very sensitive to both drying and sunburn, so the secretion acts like an automatic skin ointment. It also uh, protects the skin from becoming waterlogged when a hippo is in the water. Oh, that's nice. Huh? They moisturize. They're like, I just love moisturizing. I'm out in the sun all the time. <laughs> animal, 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 crazy animal. On the Totally Useless Information Podcast, as you can imagine, as you just experienced, this is this is like a well-rehearsed podcast. No, it's not. This is not well-rehearsed at all. There is something slightly scientific about it. It is. In fact, let's go there. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. He equals nothing. It's science, science, science. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Totally useless information podcast. Now, you live in Florida. I live in Toronto, Canada. And in Florida, I'm going to give you the weather forecast. Mm. Chilly winter weather brings a chance of snow, ice, and falling iguanas. What? In Florida, according to the National Weather Service, predictions of low temperatures, and sometimes it gets pretty cold in southern Florida, it prompts the National Weather Service of Miami to issue an unusual warning. Falling iguanas are possible tonight. 19 years. 19 years I live here. I've never heard of falling iguanas. But go ahead. Well, tell me. But you're not in Miami. You're on the other side. Thank However, God. these tumbling, these tumbling, it must thank, be on Miami. Thank God. Miami. Thank God. <laughs> However, those tumbling lizards won't be dead. They're not actually dead. They're not falling from because they're dead. They're just stunned by the cold. When temperatures oh. dip into the 40s, Fahrenheit or 15 or 14 degrees Celsius or lower, iguana metabolisms slow down so much that the animals become immobile and can drop out of trees. Prior historic cold snaps in the southern part of the Sunshine State bouts a raining of iguanas in 2008 and in 2018. Raining iguanas. Wow. I wonder. Raining iguanas. Hallelujah. You know that song. Yeah, please stop that. <laughs> You're hurting the American people. <laughs> I know you Canadians don't care, but you're hurting the American people, and I won't stand for it. Scientists find 41 new species every day. Oh, now, of course, that could be, I guess, plants and all kinds of other things. I just want to bring it out to the tree-hugging hippies who say, they're exterminating uh, animals because of building. There's 41 new species found every day. 
I don't hear about 41 new species being extinct every day. So the way I see it, we're overloading with new species. We need to get rid of some, like tree-hugging right. hippies. <laughs> we, can, right. we can start with the tree-hugging hippies. <laughs> You know what? I just thought of something. So going back to my my previous facts with iguanas, I guess iguanas are not tree hugging hippies because they just fall out of the trees. Yeah, and if the trees are extinct, what would we call them? Air hugging hippies? <laughs> uh, Legos in the ocean in the United Kingdom. There are estimates that children flush some two and a half million Lego pieces down the toilet. What? This study showed between actually between 2006 and 2016. Children flushed over two and a half million Lego pieces down the toilet. Oh, so my father was brilliant. Brilliant. My father was brilliant. <laughs> when I was a kid, I said, Dad, I want Legos. He said, go down the river. So here's the thing, though. In a paper published on February 29th, they found that 50 castaway Lego bricks, they, when they trolled them from the coastlines, 50 matching bricks that never left their boxes, when they compared the two, they used x-rays and other tools to measure how much of the marine bricks had weathered away. Well, there wasn't any difference. So they figured that any Lego can survive underwater between 100 and 1,300 years before totally degrading. That's some pretty solid Legos. Yeah, yeah that's a real sharp scientist. One, between 100 and 1,300. You'd smack yeah. him. I, I want to smack that guy. You He's couldn't get it closer. You couldn't say between 13 and 1,400 years. That's still you, you, that's 100 years. No, this guy, I don't believe him. Okay, I think he played with Legos too long. He's a blockhead. Okay, I know you're going to love this one because Nick loves everything urine. Anything that, yes, anything that has to do with urine, Nick loves it. Scientists in China, this just then, scientists in China have successfully grown teeth out of stem cells found in human urine. Wow. You heard me right. So hold on. So they made, they were able to produce teeth from urine? Yep. Mm -hmm. What if you get a cavity? I don't know. But that's That urine has a bit of a bite. When you're thinking of travel plans, you know, you're thinking maybe I'll go to Europe. Maybe I'll visit, I don't know, the Holy Land. Maybe if you're religious, uh, maybe you'd like to visit a land down under in Australia. Mm. Well, have I got a tourist site for you? If I were a travel agent, I'd tell you, look, this is ex an experience like you've never had before. Tourists can now visit the control room of Chernobyl's Reactor 4, the scene nice of the world's worst nuclear disaster. The control room is still highly radioactive, don't you worry, and people are required to wear protective gear when inside according to recent news reports. Mm -hmm. But Reactor 4 has been remained closed off to most of the public. Now the Chernobyl tour companies have confirmed that the control room is open to the brave souls who wish to be closer to the scene of the disaster. The radiation in the room is 40,000 times higher than normal levels. Mm -hmm. Anyone who wishes to visit the site must wear the protective suit, a helmet, a mask, and must limit their visit to just five minutes. Chernobyl tourist site. So what is their advertising? Come come to a vacation that's a real blast. Chernobyl. Einstein was a moron. Newton was a jerk. A equals nothing. It's science, science, science. 
on the Totally Useless Information Podcast. Oh, yeah. You, you, you can't pick up a girl there because you actually don't know what she looks like under the helmet and all the protective gear. You might get her home and she takes it off and you're like, oh, my God, the radiation got to you. She's like, no, this is how I always look. <laughs> oh, but she glows in the dark. Look what I just found. I just found this. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? Someone said to me, look, why is it that you guys call it a mailbag? You just open up your email and print the email. I'm like, come on, work with me here. Like, it's, it's an expression. It's theater of the mind. Close your eyes. Uh, Sylvia from New Jersey mm -hmm. asks, hi, Nick and Roy. Love your show. Keep up the good work. She must be a teacher. Keep up the good work. You get a gold star. Probably. Uh, she wants to know why are women's buttons on the left side and men's on the right on some clothing? Me right. too. During the historical periods like the Renaissance and the Victorian era, women's clothing were often complicated, more complicated than men's. The rich men often dressed themselves, but female members of the family most likely had servants to help them out put on their clothes, both out of luxury and necessity. To make it easier for servants to button up their employer's dresses right, clothiers might have started sewing buttons on the opposite side. Thank you, Sylvia from New Jersey, and I'm standing up straight now, and I hope I get an A in posture. Well, that was good. You answered Sylvia. Uh, you know, I have no intentions of answering people that email me personally, <laughs> especially Bills. But anyway, I've got Vern. Vern is from South Carolina. Okay, Vern, here we go. Vern, being from the South, asks a terrible question like this. How many slaves did it take to build the pyramids? Okay, Vern, uh, I got news for you. I looked into this for you. None. No slaves. People actually worked on the pyramids and got paid. The pharaohs needed to put a government work program into effect. Okay, so the pyramids were nothing more than a social work program of its time. And it took twenty to 30,000 workers to complete the pyramid over some 10 to, they're not even sure exactly, but 10 to 18 years or something like that. The original pharaoh died before the pyramid and had to be parked somewhere before they put him in his full resting place inside the pyramid. So, okay. interesting. Vern, thank you so much for bringing up slavery, being that you're from the South. <laughs> That's right. So, if in case you want to have any of your questions answered or not, our email is tuipodcast at outlook.com. What's in the mail? I'm Nick. I'm Roy. And now let's go back in time. today history. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yes, every day is uh, 
history. Yeah. O M G. What does that stand for? Oh my God. You're thinking, well, that must be like a modern sort of term, right? Because, you know, ever since social media came around and you started using Well, well I do know I do know a few pumpkin farmers that use it as oh my gourd. But right, exactly. <laughs> but OMG, the first written instance of OMG, maybe that's what's different. Now you don't write it, you just type it into a device. But the first written instance of OMG that we know of was in a letter sent to Winston Churchill by Lord Fisher in 1917. Really? OMG. Really? WTF? No, OMG. <laughs> when Columbus discovered the American continent, the Americas, yes. he actually discovered a place that was inhabited by 90 million people. He didn't discover anything. They discover something, there's nobody there. You discover an island with no people on it. You don't discover a place that has 90 million people. And I got news for you, uh, Christopher. Can I call you Chris? Chris, a guy named Leif Erikson discovered North America 500 years before you. And I guess he couldn't figure out how to get back, but he discovered America 500 years before Columbus. So there is so much uh, mishistoric information. You know, so that's that's uh, just to settle that. So as luck would have it, Columbus and GPS. So ah. Roy and I do not rehearse, nor do we tell each other what the facts are going to be. So I don't have the exact fact as you, but I have something about Christopher Columbus, too. So this is how great minds think alike. Yes. Did Christopher Columbus use GPS when he got lost? Well, he didn't have GPS back then, but he might as well. You know how sometimes you use a GPS and it mm. takes you somewhere nowhere near where you wanted to go. Well, maybe this is what happened to uh, to Columbus. This is what I'm thinking. Columbus wasn't trying to prove that the Earth was round when he set sail in 1492. He was trying to prove that sailing due west was the quickest way to get to the Far East and the treasured spice ports of India. Not only were his calculations wrong, but he and his crew would have surely died if they had not accidentally bumped into a cluster of Caribbean islands that Columbus believed to be coastal India. In fact, in all the voyages to the New World, he continued to think that he had a hit on some part of Asia. With how many people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, 90 million people, and that's why they call them Indians. Hey, you know what? That's useful information. You'll very rarely hear that noise, folks, because most of our information is ridiculously useless. <laughs> but Christopher Columbus, this guy was a character. I mean, he, he found the wrong place. I, I don't even understand how that all worked out, and we, we gave him a special day. We went to a school with his name. Name that. That's right. We went to Christopher Columbus High School in the Bronx. There you go. Remember the Columbus Day Parade that we were in? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we were in the Bronx. We, would, uh, our, we were part of the, the chorus, the senior chorus, they would call us. And uh, our leader, Dr. Dezik, yes, he was a doctor of music. And we would march in the parade and we would sing uh, Finiculi, Finicula, and we would sing the Italian national anthem because Columbus, of course, was Italian from the great country of Italy. <laughs> Napoleon, I'm going to go on with history. Napoleon was thought to have been a short guy who was very power hungry. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, they named the complex, the Napoleonic complex, after him. But in reality, Napoleon was an average height. They believe he was about five foot six, five foot seven, which was the actual average height of a Frenchman at the time, except for one thing. The average imperial guard in the army was extremely tall. So he always appeared with the guards around him, and he always appeared short, much shorter. In fact, they actually would note that, wow, look at how short he is in person. And so the term Napoleon was a short guy comes about. He was not. He was average height. Now, did he keep his one hand in his breast pocket? I don't know. Maybe he was playing with his own nipple. I don't know. No, I, I read somewhere that he had ulcers and that he kept his hand in his jacket so that he could calm the pain a little bit. Oh, well, he should have just stopped eating all that crap. That's right. It's a French food. All that rich French food. <laughs> Story a hotel in New York City once had its own private railroad track at Grand Central Station. So guests that would secretly enter and exit New York City, that's the way that they would go in and out. Largely abandoned now, it operates only when the president is in town in case the need arises for an emergency exit. There you go. I just blew it now. I just blew the president's cover. That's pretty cool. Now we know yeah. it's there. You blew the whole thing. I have to give you my teaser. Yes. The loudest sound in human history was made in 1883. Wow. It was a massive oh, eruption. A massive, not erection, a massive eruption, or both, of Krakatoa. Krakatoa exploded, and it could be heard 3,000 miles away, or for you Canadians, 4,800 kilometers. I do my math. It could be heard 3,000 miles away. Can you imagine the, the sheer sound that that must have put out? Not to mention, it's fun to say eruption, erection, and crack a toa. Well, that's all the time we have right now. And, oh, wait, um, I got to say one thing before you go. You shorted me. I had one science fact that you did oh. not let me say. And it had something to do with you and me uh, being a nice guy. Science. It could also be food, but we didn't have food today. So eating salmon will help you, Nick. It will help you grow hair faster. What? You heard me. So you better get out there and go go in the Canadian rivers out there like bears. You just wrestle them down and bite them and take them home with you. So we don't have rivers. Well, we have listen, lakes. listen, listen. This will help you grow hair, Nick. Okay. Um, you can also eat yellow peppers and oysters. Okay, it seems that the zinc and the vitamin C helps grow hair, but also, if you eat enough oysters, you can be a, a superstar in other places, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, please, folks out there, uh, send Nick salmon. You can wrap it up in, in paper or whatever, throw it in a Ziploc bag, throw it in the mail, send it to him. Okay, um, he needs all the fish he can get. He needs some salmon. I guess every day is uh, history. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, folks, this goes so fast. 
Um, but that's all the time that we have for this episode of Totally Useless Information Podcast. Don't you worry, because we have more for you next time. That's right. And every Thursday, we come out with a new episode. And you got to hit that subscribe button. This way you don't miss. It makes it so much easier. And please, please, guys, Facebook, share it with your friends. Let them see some of this. They're going to love it. Please tell a friend about the trend. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. 